from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly. This is your one hour in-depth Sounders FC talk here on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz here in studio. Got a big show for you tonight. Coming in studio uh, very quickly. We're waiting for him to arrive. Is Dave Clark. He's with Sounder Art. He's also a broadcaster with S2, the Seattle Sounders minor league club. It's sort of like if you're if you're new to the Seattle Sounders, just trying to get into soccer. It's sort of like their Tacoma Rainiers. Uh, they actually play in Cheney Stadium. So he's a broadcaster for those broadcasts, and uh, he'll be joining me in studio very shortly. I hear he's just pulling up into the station very, very soon. So we're waiting for him to pop here in studio. Coming up in the middle segment of our show tonight, Garth Logaway, general manager and president of soccer with the Seattle Sounders. He will join me for his weekly interview. We're going to discuss a variety of topics today. Uh, had a whole bunch on the list as usual. I always try to incorporate your questions to him via Twitter at JacksonKJR or also on the Sounders FC Reddit page. I take questions there. And I try to throw Garth some of those questions to be able to connect you guys to the club itself. Uh, so I threw a few of those at him in addition to uh, another question relating to the efforts to bring in a new designated player or TAM signing. Uh, that has been being talked about for now uh, months on end since the Jordan Morris injury as he is down for the season with the ACL injury. Uh, so the big question is when they will bring in a new forward to, to help out this Seattle attack. Uh, we talked about another question relating to that, uh, as well as Alex Roldan. Uh, he, we, Garth talked about him, and Alex Roldan is my final guest this evening. You'll hear that interview coming up right around 7.45 this evening. He is the midfielder for the Seattle Sounders. He's a rookie out of Seattle University, Pete Fewing's program, uh, a, a voice that you all know very prominently here on the station. He is a co-host here on Sounders Weekly, as well as on Sounder Broadcast. Pre-game, post-game, you hear Pete Fewing's voice often. Uh, so Alex Roldan was one of his players at Seattle University. He was drafted in the first round by the Seattle Sounders earlier this year. And I sat down with him uh, earlier today, and we had a nice little chat. So you'll hear that coming up at 7.45. Alex talks about his first professional start in Rave Green. That happened on Sunday against Sporting Kansas City, uh, as well as playing right beside his brother, Christian Roldan. If you think that name sounds familiar, it's because he is Christian Roldan's brother. Uh, not divided by uh, not divided by many years at all. So so those two guys playing beside each other, and that takes us into the big topic of the day uh, that we'll start off with a show with, which is Sporting Kansas City. You know, I feel like we've been talking here on Sounders Weekly for weeks now, uh, in in a negative sense about how okay, you know, Danny Jackson, who joined me last week, we opened up the show talking about you know panic. Is anybody panicking? Why are people panicking? You know, and, and he calmed everybody down by saying you shouldn't panic. You know, there, there isn't supposed to be panic yet. We're only a few weeks into the MLS season. The Sounders were 0-3, true. But at the same time, they had a lot of injuries. They had to deal with CONCACAF Champions League. So that ended up having lineup concerns. I mean, we look back to the LAFC game at the start of the year. We look back to that, and that's a team that put out a lineup that was not close to a first-choice lineup. You had Jordi Delem starting. Uh, you had uh, Tony Alfaro starting in that one. Uh, Henry Wingo was starting in that. Terry Ship, who suffered an ankle injury, he's now out. I mean, that starting lineup against LAFC was was not first choice. So if you look back to those, we're talking about a team that hasn't had a, a number one lineup out there. In addition to the injuries, I mean, it, it, I mentioned Jordan Morris. You also had. Uh, 
minor injuries to Nico Ladero. He's now back, of course, but you had little things that hit, hit here and there, and the big ones of Victor Rodriguez and Ozzy Alonso. Well, what do you know? Ozzy Alonso is back now. He finally got to play against Sporting Kansas City, got some minutes in, and five minutes after Ozzy comes on, what do you know? They score. He comes on in the 68th minute, and they score their second goal in the 73rd. So we're starting to see the differences that this team puts out and how much better they can be when they get their full team out on the field. Uh, Ozzy Alonso, you know, for a lot of critics who say, you know, he's getting up there in age, etc. This is still a guy where when he is on the field, he brings a calming presence. He brings a, a sense of, we got this. You know, guys passing the ball around, whether, whether it's keeping possession, whether it's in the attack, Ozzy gives this gives the team that sense. So you saw what that what that produced, and yes, you know, on the other side, you can say, well, they gave up a goal. Well, we'll get to that when Dave, when Dave Clark steps here in studio. You know, I think you can look at both goals that happened for uh, for Sporting KC on Sunday, and, and kind of attribute it to a similar thing. But on the positive end, Ozzy Alonso back. We're nearing the return of Victor Rodriguez, so things are going in the right direction for the Seattle Sounders. Uh, in the 73rd minute, it was it was. Christian Roldan, he put away a goal that gave the Sounders a 2-1 to lead. Outside of his foot, Alex Roldan finds Bruin, cuts it back. Bruin, he's got some chances. Christian Roldan, oh, back of the net! Christian Roldan from Will Bruin in the 73rd, and the Seattle Sounders have their first lead of the season. It was the first lead of the season. They ended up giving it up in the 78th. Uh, it was a Zussi goal. Uh, he ended up making the match equal at two, unfortunately. But it's a point. And uh, I, as, as I say that, we have Dave Clark. He finally steps in studio. Dave, uh, thanks for being on time today. You're welcome. I <laughs> showed up a little bit late. Sorry That's that. all right. We're all good here, Dave. So I was just kind of going through the fact that this team is, is coming around. I mean, we've been talking a little bit negatively and a little bit, you know, I would say on edge of, okay, they're on three, they're on three. We got a result in Kansas City where it's very difficult to get results. Yeah, I would say the Kansas City game, like 2-2 at the beginning of the year, if you said you're going to go to Kansas City and get 2-2 while they're the leaders of the Western Conference, second in the shield standings, you'd be like, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Considering all the circumstances, the 2-2 feels great. Now, around the 70th minute, the 2-2 didn't feel wonderful. But overall... A road draw against a top team in this in this league, that's a worthy result. It you should be proud of it. It absolutely is. So I was talking about kind of the, the positives of the goals in the sense of, and, and Bruin got the scoring started, uh, I, I believe, in the in the 45th plus couple minutes there in stoppage time. Uh, and it just really kind of what you needed was one ball to go in to break the dam. Danny Jackson and I talked about it last week, the sense of no matter if it was a 30-yard strike off of Dempsey's foot or a three foot tap in you just needed something to go in and the dam breaks and you get two in one game yeah that's kind of the nature of this sport is once you crack that that first one you're going to get a second you're going to get a third the the worries about the offense definitely go down coming into the next game too because will bruin knows i can score right christian roldan gets it out and you know that he can score getting clint dempsey back so it's it's one of those things that you have to see. You would have liked to have seen it earlier, but considering, again, all the circumstances, this sh- that's a good goal for Will Bruin to get. Yeah. It, it's kind of a classic Will Bruin kind of goal. Uh, it wasn't a header, but mixing it up in the box, a loose ball, him pouncing on it, that's exactly what you, what you want to see. 
his ability to lay off the ball for Christian for his goal was also something that you'll need to see a lot of because frankly the the offense this year has to come from those attacking midfielders and uh, if Bruin can act as a pivot point that's going to really improve their ability to score. I mean, I think though a lot of people's panic level. And by the way, this is this is Dave Clark, uh, as I mentioned right off the start of the show, and now he has arrived uh, with Sounder at Heart, uh, broadcaster for S two. Dave, where can people find your stuff really quick? Uh, the easiest way is to go to sounderatheart.com, and I'm a frequent writer there, founder and managing editor. It's about a ten year old website covering the team. And then for S two games, we're on ESPN Plus. I'm part of the home broadcast group uh, for the USL. We only uh, broadcast the home games. Mm-hmm. But you can hear me there with Andrew Harvey and James Riley. Good stuff, uh, and and I see that you're wearing the "You Will Hear Us" shirt. It, it's pretty cool that that the Sounder at Heart and, and and the section down there they get a spot on the jersey this year for the Sounders. You'll see on for those of you who bought the new jerseys, you'll see on the on the back of the neck it says "You Will Hear Us." Right? Yes, that's the the motto of the website. And somebody from the Alliance Council reached out a few years ago and said, "Hey, can we promote this?" and Eventually, it worked its way onto the jersey here for the 10th anniversary of the Alliance Council. How about that? It, it's a great feeling. I bought a jersey this year <laughs> uh, on release day because uh, it's kind of awesome. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, so Dave Clark is in here. We're talking about the Sporting Kansas City draw that in some ways feels like a victory. But in other ways, you know, I have coworkers here and, and they were kind of talking to me uh, throughout the week uh, in the last couple of days, I should say, about how, well, you're up two to one, you know, and then and you lose the lead. So doesn't that at some points feel like a loss? And that takes us to talking about the two goals that went in for Sporting Kansas City and not to get too awfully negative, but but knew who needs to learn how to slide tackle. No, uh, I mean th- especially on 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 the first one where you create a penalty. On the second one, it's more of just you you gotta you gotta pick up the pace and catch Zuzi. Yeah, he had a couple errors, uh, some that didn't result in goals, and obviously the ones that did. For me, it wasn't just the slide tackling, but to give Russell that kind of space. Yeah, to give him the opportunity to break into the box, and then you have to recover in a way where really going to ground is the only choice and then going to ground towards the man rather than to block that cross. It's always risky. It's riskier when you do it in the area. Uh, it's not a move that he should be making at this point uh, in his professional career, and uh, it was a good call. I, I know there were some people who, who tried to argue that it wasn't, nice, but yeah. it's, it's, it was an easy call. Um, and then that late in the game, if, if you're going to make that kind of run forward, um, you have to put the shot on frame or you just have to bury it in the corner and just stand there and wait because if you've run all the way up there and you can just kill two, three minutes standing in the corner with some obstruction. Yeah, and that run came after a shot that he hit about 30 rows back into the seats as well. Yeah, it, the shot he took was poor and it's kind of funny. I think it was in the post-game quotes uh, Branch Messer brought up that it would have been nice if knew who had done basically what Graham Zuzi did yeah. and just keep dribbling it towards the goal, right. force the keeper to come out, take a little bit more time, let your own player play develop. And you saw basically the difference and it'll be very interesting because they can go right to film and say, this is what a fullback can do that can hurt the team. And this is what a fullback can do to help the team. Cause he had moments of brilliance, right? And that run was brilliant. It was yeah. just the last effort. And then the, the lack of awareness and defense, but afterwards, Essentially, Graham Zusi made the same run as an older guy with a lot less speed, <laughs> right? Uh, but just had a little bit of veteran wiles on it, where he's like, "Okay, I've I've made that move where I'm inside and where I'm goal side 
of the defender, mm-hmm. force the keeper to react, and then essentially take your opportunity. And that's the difference between a 34-year-old, 34, I don't know. Mid th- Zeus, low, he's getting up there, yeah. Low 30s, U.S. national yeah. team, uh, designated player once in a while, kind of mm-hmm. MLS player, and a 20-year-old who two years ago was in the USL, and the year prior to that was on a Cameroonian team that may or may not exist. Right, and we look at the the injury report that came out before the game. Waylon Francis was questionable with a right hamstring strain, so he was out. He wasn't even in the 18, but if if, if Waylon Francis is healthy, and I love what Waylon's done so far this year. I don't know what your thoughts are on him, but but if Waylon's healthy, does he start over Nuhu regularly? And, and I guess where is... How does that question change based on what Nuhu did in this match? Well, we've written about this that neither one of them has really earned the starting role. Waylon Francis is capable of adding stuff in the attack. That's kind of where his specialty is. Up until this last game, Nuhu has been a little bit better in defense, mainly because he's athletic enough he's been able to make up for his mistakes. But it's almost like that quarterback situation. If you have two starting quarterbacks, it means you don't have one. <laughs> well said. It's the opposite of... You know, yes, they're both quality players who have earned and deserve their time. But right now, neither one has seized their opportunity to be you're the regular starter. Both of them have small holes in their game. Um, now, either one of them can win the role. Waylon Francis is a left back who is capable of leading or being on a squad that makes a playoff run. Knew who is a left back that is capable. So yeah. one of them needs to kind of solidify that probably here within the next month um or it's just going to continue being the weakest spot on in the starting roster in, in a starting roster that has other holes that might be a little bit more obvious but i think that that's the one that long term i have the most questions about mm-hmm. because they're not going to fill they're not going to bring in a third left back right i, I think the, in terms of talking about the the other the other positions that are in question i mean a lot of that's also based on uh, on the fact that there's injuries i mean you got ozzy back now so that shores up that spot and that allows you to use you know christian roldan you could throw him in a 10 if needed you can slide gustav back as a center back if need it allows for a lot of flexibility with ozzy now back in there and we don't know if he's 90 minutes fit for minnesota yet but having him available is is going to be a help and then victor rodriguez we're just kind of i continuously make the joke we're constantly looking at our watches waiting for Victor Rodriguez to, to get back onto this field and 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 whether it's on the bench or starter because because we saw what he can do down the stretch last year where they went on that run and got to another MLS Cup when he gets back in there on the wing that's going to give this attack a huge boost yeah because he offers the possession similar to say what a Harry Ship does but Victor Rodriguez is more lethal with that mm-hmm. he's going to be more his passes are a bit more incisive his uh, his shots wind up as goals more frequently so his reintegration to the squad, whenever that is, because let's he's not participating in practice at this point. So it, it's not something that's going to happen short term. Getting Magnus wolf Ikram back to being what we yeah. saw preseason and Santa Tecla would be handy as well. Uh, his last start didn't go so well. And then in this match, he got the last eight minutes or so. Yeah. So g- getting that kind of TAM player in the attack where... And I think some, in some ways he's more of a force magnifier in that when he's playing with a Clint Dempsey, you can see just how good he is. Right. But he's not um, of the quality where he can carry the squad. And on the team last night, if he was on, he was, or Sunday night, he would have been the second most technical attacking player. And he isn't technical right. enough for right. that to be his role. Whereas 
when he's the third or the fourth most technical player, all of a sudden he looks very strong, as we saw against Santa Tecla, as we saw in the preseason. So the attacking band, the defensive midfield, the center backs, they're all going to be much stronger this week, the week after. Um, it's its kind of at fullback, uh, particularly at left back, and then the forward question that we'll have right until we don't. That's the voice of S2 broadcaster Dave Clark. You can also find his stuff on Sounder at Heart. Uh, Mentioned Minnesota a couple minutes ago. That match going to be this Sunday at 1 p.m. We'll have it right here for you on Sports Radio 950 KJR pregame starting at 1230. Uh, so Clint Dempsey back for that one. While we have a couple minutes, just a you know, minute and a half left here in the opening segment here, Dave. Uh, Clint Dempsey it came out at the end of last week. We talked about it a little bit on the pregame show uh, on Sunday before Sporting Kansas City. Suspended an extra game. Uh, I, I like to use the term, it was speculation of intent of what Clint Dempsey was doing in Dallas. Wanted to get your, your take on, on giving him an extra game suspension 25 days after the fact. I think the worst thing is that they waited so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unfair to the fans to wait until just a couple days before the game. It's unfair to the team to only give them a one-week warning when they should have had two. Uh, it's unfair to the player to take his history into account in such a way I agree. that it's going to be a three- nearly four-week process to figure it out. Yes, Clint Dempsey has some questions about his respect for authority. Yes, he has a history with that kind of move, making contact that's clear and unquestionable, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the one where two of the three camera angles look like there's contact, the other one looks like there's not contact. So you have some questions and you have some doubt. At the same time, I, I do understand why MLS wants to talk to Clint and be like, hey, what's going on with this and this move that you do too frequently? So... Again, the biggest frustration, it shouldn't take 25 yeah. days. That's insulting to your fan base. Great stuff, Dave. Where can people again find you on, on Twitter? On Twitter, probably if you want my soccer stuff, that'd be at Sounder at Heart. Uh, that's the easiest way, and SounderAtHeart.com. That's awesome stuff there from Dave Clark. Thanks again for coming in, man. I really appreciate you, you jumping in this evening. Thanks for your patience today. <laughs> of course, of course. All right, coming up next, Garth Lagerway, Sounders General Manager and President. That's coming up next on Sounders Weekly on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Dot com. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Thanks again to Dave Clark for stopping here in studio that last segment. Great to have him in. You can listen to him on the S2 broadcast and read his stuff at Sounder at Heart. All right, welcome back here to Sounders Weekly. Every Tuesday evening at about 7.25, it's a pleasure to have Seattle Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Lagerway, join the show. He does again right now. Garth, thanks for joining me. How are you today? Uh, I'm great, Jackson. Uh, Thanks for having me. Good to have you back on here, Garth. Uh, So I want to start by talking about the match here this last weekend in Kansas City. Seattle gets their first points of the season, a 2-2 draw in Kansas City. Garth, I want to start talking about that. You're a former player, uh, so how much more galvanizing or confidence-boosting is it for a team and for players to break a losing streak on the road in a tough place to play as opposed to breaking a losing streak at home? I think when you talk about going into Kansas City, that's a really tough place to play. And, you know, it, it has a deserved reputation uh, for, for being difficult. And that team is difficult to play against. So I think, it'd be, I think it means a lot. I think it's great to get the first result of the season and then hopefully come home. And now, of course, what, what matters is if we build on it. You know, so now we have an opportunity uh, to turn things around. But we've got to take that opportunity against Minnesota this weekend. 
So let's talk about Minnesota a little bit right away here. This is an expansion club of last year. They had a tough year. They have a 2-4 and four start to this year. And the big signing of Darwin Quintero, what has been your impressions of how they have built this team over the last year plus? Um, you know, they've been uh, a little bit more conservative in their spending, let's say, in, in Atlanta. You know, and, and, and Atlanta might be... Uh, a pretty difficult bar to live up to in terms of how much they have spent. Um, but I think this was, you know, Minnesota getting in the game. You know, they, they're really trying to drive some excitement around their team. And Quintero is a guy that, that we all know and we've all scouted for years. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to definitely help them. And he did already in their first game. So makes them more dangerous, makes their team better, uh, and makes them, you know, a formidable opponent. I mean, we, we, we beat them on a 93rd minute penalty kick uh, last time they were here. So uh, it's a Western Conference game. It's a big game for us. We have, you know, we haven't won at home. We've we've lost more games at home this year than we did last year already. So you know, we're you know we need to take this opportunity. As I said, it's a big game for us. What are the big challenges involved with an expansion club? Not necessarily in terms of of just building up. Seattle had great success. Atlanta, you mentioned as well. But in terms of building a team actually player by player, filling in the holes, we're seeing it with LAFC. What are the big challenges involved that Minnesota may still be facing as a team in their second year? Well, you know, their stadium hasn't opened yet, right? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's been being built and it's under construction and they got to play in a temporary, temporary facility at the University of Minnesota. And it's just not ideal. Um, you know, there's football lines on it at times. Uh, you know, it, it's just not yours. It doesn't feel like home. And uh, that can be tough on morale as well. And once you have your shiny new building, um, that's a huge deal. It's a game changer. Uh, and, you know, having a place like CenturyLink, um, maybe it's not exclusively to the Sounders, but it's very much our home stadium. And we feel very comfortable in it. And you know, we perform very well there. Uh, and I think that that's something that's, that's a struggle for any expansion team until you get – the training facility done, the home stadium done, you know, it just doesn't feel like home when you're coming to work every day. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's you know, it's exciting to watch them make progress on that and now start at VPs and you can feel them just kind of ramping up as a franchise. Yeah, so that match, Minnesota coming to Seattle, 1 o'clock kickoff at CenturyLink. You can listen to the match right here on Sports Radio 950 KGR, pregame starting at 12.30 on Sunday. Uh, Garth Logaway, General Manager, President of Soccer with your Seattle Sounders, joining me here on Sounders Weekly. Garth, let's jump back to the game against Sporting Kansas City this last weekend. Alex Roldan, who I'm going to speak with here very shortly here on Sounders Weekly, he gets his first start in Rave Green, collected his uh, second assist on his brother's go-ahead goal. What were your impressions of his performance? as well as his, I guess, mentality, it appeared, to not let the moment get too big for him being his first professional start. Yeah, look, Alex did great. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to watch him. It's fun to watch him and Christian together. Uh, and, you know, the mentality thing is the thing that we kind of thought pretty confident about with Alex. Um, you know, you could, you could see when he interviewed um, you know, what kind of kid he was and, you know, very much cut from the same cloth as Christian and Christian's you know, so phenomenally tough mentally. Um, you know, his brother, if anything, Alex has got a little bit more swagger to him. He's a little bit more outgoing than mm-hmm. Christian. Um, and, and which is not to say that Christian's shy, just, uh, that, that, uh, Alex is, is arguably, uh, at least outwardly, even that little bit more confident than Christian. Um, and so when you get the two of them together, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and they, they keep each other humble. I'll put it that way. Um, but, but that, that wasn't a doubt when, you know, when we started Alex Rodan on a play and a, and a road game in Kansas city, uh, I don't think we were worried about whether or not we could handle it. You know, I think it's a matter of adjusting to the speed of play and the technical level around him and, and you know, and those things will come with time. 
You know, Garth, you look at the sports leagues, the big five sports leagues with baseball and football and basketball and hockey, and the homegrown element to MLS is a bit unique in the sense of you look at, you know, the Seahawks don't necessarily bring in, uh, you know, undrafted guys, sure, but they don't have a system where they can sign guys, you know, who are coming up. You talk about the confidence there of Alex. How much of confidence is gained from all these young guys who grow up playing in Seattle at lower levels and then go play for the Sounders like Alex has done with Seattle University. Christian did at the University of Washington. Jordan Morris is an example. There's a lot of examples. But how much of that confidence is built from playing in the place where you have essentially grown up and become an adult? Yeah, look, I think it, it, there's less transition, right? I mean, you're literally here and you've been comfortable and, and you know, you know where everything is. And, um, you know, hopefully in a lot of cases you have family around to help. And uh, so I think there's a lot of positives to it. Um, you know, certainly if you're coming up, you know, if you want to go a step back and take coming up through the academy, now you even know style of play and, and mm-hmm. style of coaching and, you know, what's expected of your position and, you know, all those things. So um, it definitely helps. And, and look, this region, this city has produced, you know, really good players for a long time. So I think it's a, it's a, the, the culture here is, is conducive to developing soccer players. Uh, and I think that that's a real positive as well for these kids that go to school at Seattle, go to school at Washington, uh, go to school at the other schools uh, in the area. You talked about the academy there. Uh, as I mentioned in previous interviews, I want to use these interviews with you each week as a chance to connect the fans to you and have questions answered. One that came in from Disc Golf Josh on Reddit was about the commitment and the plan for growing the young players in the academy in terms of the plan to get them to the first team, both in terms of timing and just procedurally how you want them to go level by level in a certain time range. Yeah, I mean, look, we were, you know, we signed this year, you know, 15, 16 year olds. So we're signing these guys at a younger age. Uh, the ideal for us is that they get 100 professional games uh, before they get to age 20 while they're still teenagers. Uh, that's going to come largely through S2. Uh, so some of these kids, you know, maybe they come up when they're ready before then. Uh, but, you know, there's a progression. You know, so we're going to go certainly up through the U17 level in the academy. And then if you're good enough, to S2, uh, and then if you're good enough at S2, to the first team. Uh, and, you know, I think we're making a lot of strides. You know, I think our S2 team uh, has got a, a number of really good prospects, and we're up to, uh, I think, maybe as many as seven now homegrown players signed to S2. So uh, that's really encouraging, you know, and that's better than it was uh, even last year or, or the year before that. And so, um, you know, I think ideally if we go forward, maybe we're double-figure uh, number of homegrown players on S2. And so it really becomes something that hopefully connects with the community down in Tacoma as well. Uh, and you know, we're excited about that. And as those kids start to come up and, and trickle up, um, it will ultimately be up to them. I mean, the, the players will decide. If they if they go down and they perform consistently with us too, they'll get an opportunity uh, with the first team. And, you know, if they don't, they won't. And I try as a general manager uh, to never uh, to have to be right. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not really in the in the business of picking players it's uh you know you, what you really want to do is create systems that allow the most good players to succeed um and then those guys will fight it out and you know the best will will make it up and they'll be better for the competition 
Garth, we're continuing our series of questions relating to bringing in a new designated player or TAM. Got this question that came in from Excellent Pastries. He wanted to know what emerging player markets around the world do you feel are best to invest money in now that aren't necessarily the biggest markets right now, but you can look five years in the future, 10 years in the future, and you see that these are going to be big time markets for big time players. I mean, I think the smaller country, it's actually not a real small country, but but uh, one of the newer markets, I think, from less is Venezuela. I've seen a number of players signed in the league and do well uh, out of Venezuela, and that uh, coincides with the ascension of the first of Venezuelan youth national teams uh, and, and also the, the Venezuelan full team. You know, and in general, when you look at uh, where a player is coming from, if you look at uh, South American national teams, Peru's in the ascendancy right now, haven't qualified for the World Cup. Um, you know, places like that, if, if those countries can kind of rise and fall a little bit, and if they're on the, the upswings, then those are probably good markets to go look uh, for players. So that's that. And, you know, if you have countries that uh, suffer some kind of financial distress, um, those are places where you, where you look. And, you know, look, the, the other piece of it is um, now that we're signing TAM players, um, those guys, uh, we can compete salary-wise with, with most leagues, maybe not with the EPL and the Bundesliga, um, and probably not with PSG and the best teams in Italy, et cetera, and not with, certainly not with Barca and, and Real Madrid. But you know, beyond that, you know, you know, upper crust, we can we can get players now, and so it's it's a much broader it's a much broader landscape. It's a much bigger world um, that we're playing in. And in addition to that, in a league sense, how important would it be? As a league for Toronto to go and win CONCACAF, they are in the final against Guadalajara. Having two MLS clubs in the semifinals, and the Sounders were close to being in the semifinals as well, how important will that be for the league to then go and win CONCACAF this year, if they do? Yeah, look, I think it specifically helps the Sounders as well. I mean, this is a team we've gone toe-to-toe with in, in TFC in two finals, and we've won one and they've won one. So uh, if it turns out that they're the best team in the region, uh, and certainly Toronto's the favorite in the, in the Champions League final, um, that's that's really exciting. It's really exciting for our league. Uh, it's really exciting as, as uh, you know, part of clubs uh, like the Sounders that have historically done well in Champions League and put a lot of emphasis on it. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it, it's fun to think of how much progress we've made. You know, since uh, my RSL team uh, was in the final in 2011, and uh, you know, uh, you know, guys like Bill Manning uh, were part of that. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of continuity. There's a lot of similarities, uh, and it's it's fun and exciting for the league. And I, again, I think it makes the Sounders, um, you know, puts puts uh, losing the final maybe in a little bit better perspective. If um, this team that we've you know we split title games with, uh, if it turns out that they're the uh, they're the best team in, in our part of the world, um, that'd be an impressive accomplishment. Garth, one more here for you today here on Sounders Weekly. Uh, we had this one come in from a listener, and I wanted to, for a lot of people you know, listening and, and thinking about their careers and, and young people, I mean, the Sounders definitely connect, I think, with millennials really, really well. And we had this coming in from a listener who said, as a young business professional graduating in sports management soon, how can I pursue a route to end in a similar position that you are in, in the sense of working in the front office of an MLS club? Um. One of the toughest things that I went through when I was working as a lawyer uh, was asking people, hey, how do you become a GM? And the most honest, valuable answer I got was there is no path. There is nothing that you can do uh, to make yourself a GM. 
you have to have some luck. You have to have the right timing. Um, and you have to be qualified. You know, I think you're getting an increasing number of people with graduate degrees, specifically MBAs and JDs. Um, and so that, that stuff certainly helps. It helps if you played professional soccer. Um, if you've not played uh, the sport, uh, you know, whatever sport, whether that's basketball or hockey or uh, football, whatever, um, it's tougher. It's definitely not impossible. Um, you, have, you have multiple examples of folks, um, in particular in the NBA, that did not play basketball uh, on a professional level. So the you know, you can you can do it, you can get there, but it's it's a highly specialized thing, um, and the thing you got to do is work hard, and you got to you know understand if you want to work in pro sports that uh, so does everybody else. And I think the most popular major in undergrad the last time I looked was uh, sports management, so that means there's going to be uh, a ton of competition. Um, the positions are probably going to be poorly paid um, because of that competition, um, and you have to want it more than everybody else. So that's a it's a really high bar, and but you know if you're if you're smart enough and you work hard enough, uh, you can achieve anything. And you know that is you know, get your toe in somewhere, um, and then work your way up. And, and you know we had we've had a number of guys in the organization do exactly that and take on increasingly bigger roles. And you know uh, maybe one day one of those people will be the general manager. So uh, you know, it, but there is no there's no path. There's no linear take a sports management certificate or degree and then, you know, you, you, people will be knocking down your door. Uh, and when you're talking about pro sports, it's, it is a very, very select uh, group that, that, that make it. Some interesting and great stuff there. Garth, I appreciate your time today again, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thanks a lot, Jackson. Great stuff there from Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Lagerway. If you missed any of that interview, you can check it out on the iHeartRadio app. Also, SportsRadioKJR.com. Just search Sounders Weekly. All right, one segment left here in the show today. Earlier today, I was able to catch up with Seattle Sounders midfielder and recent first-round draft pick, Alex Roldan. You'll hear my interview with him next on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Just a few minutes left here tonight on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. And I want to use the last few minutes of the show tonight to play an interview I had earlier today with Sounders first-round draft pick Alex Roldani. He was drafted out of Seattle University earlier this year with the club's first-round draft pick, and he made his first professional start this last Sunday against Sporting Kansas City. So in addition to talking about that match and looking forward, we also talked about playing with his brother and being drafted. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing good, Alex. So before we get to the match on Sunday uh, against Sporting Kansas City, uh, first off, as a draft pick of the Seattle Sounders, what's it like being drafted by the team where you played college games, I'd say, what, with no traffic, about five to ten minutes drive from? Yeah, it's uh, it's something that not many uh, players get to get to have the luxury of. Um, you know, I am five, just like you mentioned, five to ten minutes away from there, so... Growing up or uh, playing around here um, in this area for four years, I've really had the opportunity to make this my home away from home. So being able to stay in Seattle really was uh, uh, something special for me. 
And something I just talked about uh, with your general manager, Garth Lagaway, a few minutes ago was the element of confidence that goes into a player drafted by his home team, in a sense. You know, obviously your home not being Seattle, but your home college, at least. What sort of confidence does that give you as a player, you know, in terms of the comfortability of being in the city, the comfortability of just having that support system already in place, becoming a professional? Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's something unique in a sense where I had that support from the city already, you know, in a sense where, where some, some people have watched me play for four years here in the city and, and transitioning from the college game to the pro level. It's just good knowing that you have that support from, from people here in Seattle and all over the state of Washington. So it's, uh, it's a really nice feeling that I get to play in front of those people that have seen me develop and turn into the player and person I am today. So you know, I'm extremely grateful that I was able to stay in Seattle and have the opportunity to play for Sounders and hopefully achieve things that, you know, they, they have achieved in the, the years past where their success has come from players such as my brother um, who, who played locally as well. So it's, uh, it's something special for me to stay around and be able to participate and, and hopefully uh, win some, some games with Sounders. So you mentioned Christian there. We'll get to that. I have a few thoughts on that and, and questions relating to playing together here in a moment. But first, take me back to the moments right before the opening whistle in Kansas City. If you can kind of you know close your eyes and put yourself back in that position uh, right before the whistle blew. What were the emotions like going through you? I know you, you've obviously started many games before, but this being your first professional start, what sort of emotions were involved in that? Yeah, it's... Um... You know, never I, I I remember warming up and and um, just as the whistle was about to blow, I was thinking to myself, I've got to this point and I've I've created opportunities for myself all my life and and you know this is just one more opportunity that's presented to me and uh, you know it's 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 up to me ultimately to make the most of it and and make the opportunity go my way essentially and. Um, you know, obviously there's some there's some nervousness and there's some um, anxious feelings for to get out on that field and and play just from the from the beginning of the whistle instead of a sub. So, um, but I thought I thought of it as a, another opportunity that I got presented with and uh, and I was going to make the most of it when I got that chance and and um, you know unfortunately we weren't able to get three points but I definitely thought we had a better performance than we have had in the past. Uh, three games right so on that breakdown your performance in this match you get the second assist on christian's goal there what do you feel that you did well and then what do you feel like you need to work on going forward in the next match yeah i uh i thought um i took um the pointers that the coaching staff gave me and uh you know what my personal objective was going into the game which was you know you know it's one of the first times i'm going to be starting so um just connect my passes and and uh you know, do the little things that add up where I'm working hard defensively and, you know, help the team and, and help contribute to um, the success that we have, or that we were going to have um, by doing those little things. So I just stuck to, you know, the pointers that the coaching staff gave me and I, I, um, and I thought I did a decent performance and uh, just there's some things that I need to work on. Um, obviously, it's, it's my first uh, start, so nothing was going to be perfect. 
but um, I took those into consideration for hopefully the next match. And is that sort of the same stuff that you know that you need to be consistent with and continue to work on in order to get more opportunities and maximize the opportunities that you get, whether it be starts or coming off the bench? Yeah, I mean, those are the things that uh, put me in the position that I am now. So um, it's something that I'm going to, you know, obviously resort back to whenever I need whenever I need that uh, confidence. Um, it's it's something that's going to carry me a long way in hopefully a long career. So um, I'll always re- revert back to, to always doing the right things and doing the small things that add up. Alex Roldan, Sounders midfielder, joining me here on Sounders Weekly. Alex, I don't know if you know this exact stat, but you and Christian were the 11th pair of brothers all time in MLS to play in an MLS match together and only the 7th to start a match together. When I asked Christian this question a few weeks ago, he was pretty reserved with his emotions. So I'm going to ask you the question and I challenge you to do a little bit better. You've already talked about emotions, so it seems like you already have that down pat. But what's it like playing aside your brother? I mean, do you ever stop? and and step back and think about the probability of the situation what sort of emotions are involved with that yeah i mean it's it's again i've mentioned it before that it's a luxury to play alongside your brother um let alone be you know one mentioned in in that special list that um you mentioned before with all these other brothers that have played in the mls um one being chris henderson who (laughs) sent us a text after that's right you know congratulations so um, he, you know, it's, it's, it's something special to be mentioned on that list with all those great other players. Um, so I just wanted to say that, but the emotions, uh, as far as that goes, it's just, it's, it, sometimes I do look over to the side and I see him, you know, make a tackle and make a, make a great pass. And, uh, and I just, as you, as you saw in this past previous game, he scored a beautiful goal and, uh, it's, it's something special in terms of, in terms of, you know, getting to, create these memories together but also we're both competitive so it's um it's also the feeling that i know that i'm i'm gonna have him on my side to push me harder to to play better and and know that i have the confidence within within him Alex, sometimes we reporters and analysts suggest that there's some sort of telepathy between brothers playing with each other in pro sports, so no matter what sport it is. <laughs> have you experienced any of that with Christian, where either you know where he's going to be before he does it, or what he's going to do before he does it, or where he wants you to be before any outward communication? You know, I wouldn't necessarily call it that, but if you want to call it that, yeah, there's some moments in the game where um, or I, I, I just see his tendencies and I see what he's going to do and I know what he's going to do just because I've seen him do it before, both watching him and playing with him and before in our um, childhood. So um, there's definitely a different feel to playing with each other than in, in terms of playing with different players because we just know each other so well that um, we know each other's tendencies on, on the field. Uh, so it makes it just a little bit easier than, than it is with, to play with other people. Alex, one of my co-hosts here on Sounders Weekly and then also on the Sounders broadcast is Pete Fewing, uh, Seattle University head soccer coach. You played under him. What has he meant to you over the years as your growth as a player and as a person? Yeah, he uh, he's a great mentor for me. Um, he is the reason why I have the opportunity that I have now. Uh, without him, I can't say that I, I, I'd be able to be where I'm at, so... You know, a lot of credit goes to him and the Seattle University um, men's soccer program. Um, they they helped establish you know a platform for me to become a better player and also a better person. You know, 
I learned so much from from him and and the coaching staff that uh, I could carry along with me for the rest of my life. Alex, I'm going to wrap up the interview today like I do all of these player interviews, which is some rapid-fire get-to-know-you questions, all right? Okay. All right, let's start off with this. Alex, you've been in the city for a while. What is the best restaurant you've ever been to here in Seattle? Uh, Best restaurant, I'd say by Rec and by Get, just by Seattle University. It's a sandwich place here in uh, Capitol Hill that's pretty good. Alex, who is the better goal scorer, you or Christian? Oh, <laughs> you throw me under the bus right there, huh? I'll say me. I like it. You got to have that uh, confidence. Uh, if yeah, you got to have that confidence within yourself. So um, if there's someone that's going to be in a position to score, I, I'd hope it to be me instead of Christian. Love it, uh, Alex. Did you play video games? Yes, I did. All uh, right. What sort of video games you play? I'm playing Fortnite right now, which oh, everybody seems perfect. to be playing too. So. I'm glad you answered that because that's something that Christian and I talked about. So who's the better Fortnite player, you or Christian? Oh, I will say he has he has more wins under his belt. But um, in terms of playing, I think I'm a better player because, uh, um, I mean, obviously there's details in the game that I don't know if you know, but like the building aspect of it, I think I'm a better builder. Again, it's all about the confidence. It's all about, you know, speak it into existence. <laughs> Alex, if you weren't playing soccer, what would you be doing in life? If I wasn't playing soccer, I would love to travel the world. You know, there's many places uh, in, that I, I wish I could get to experience in my lifetime. So um, that's something that I would really, truly uh, uh, love to, to experience. And last thing for you here, Alex, what makes Pete Fewing more angry than anything else? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> when you don't run across the, the, the crosswalk, he gets really mad. There's cars that are waiting for you to to, to pass by, and uh, if you're not if you're not paying attention and you're not hustling across, that that really grinds his gears. I love that you said something that wasn't soccer related. Like it's something that can apply to all of life. I love it. Oh yeah, he, they, this was soccer aside, man. <laughs> Alex, I can say that I've I've gotten I've gotten a couple two cents from that before from him. That's so good, Alex. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to join me today. Appreciate it, and good luck this Sunday against Minnesota. Thank, thank you for having me. Great stuff there from Alex Rodon, Sounders midfielder and first-round draft pick out of Seattle University. And personally, really good to know about uh, Pete Fewing. As somebody who has to spend a lot of time around Pete, good to know to run across crosswalks. I'll make sure to remember that next time. And that'll actually do it tonight for Sounders Weekly here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Thank you to Dave Clark for coming in studio and spending some time with me. In addition to General Manager and President of Soccer Garth Lagerway for chatting, as well as Alex Rodon for sitting down with me earlier today for that interview if you missed any of the show you can go listen to the podcast on sportsradiokjr.com iHeartRadio app which you can listen to for free Uh, in addition we are working on getting this up onto iTunes as well so make sure you check out the podcast if you missed anything and Sounders Weekly will be on next Tuesday every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950 KJR so thanks to everybody again who joined me you'll be able to hear me again this Sunday at 12.30 That's when our pregame starts for the Seattle Sounders facing Minnesota United. Kickoff right around 1 p.m. Matt Johnson will be on the call. We will start counting you down to kickoff at 1230 right here on your new home for the Sounders. All right, that'll do it for the show tonight. Have a safe and pleasant evening, and thanks for listening.